0: When I got to rock bottom, I went and found a arch, it's a bridge. I stayed under the arches. And that moment from that, that first night, I have never cried those tears again, ever. I've cried, I've been upset, been emotional. But those that moment when I knew I had nothing.
1: Desperation.
0: Yes, everything just came out.
1: Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm very excited. We're still in sort of semi-lockdown, I guess, but we're coming towards some semblance of an end, I think. Um, I've got Enton Barefoot with me. Um, We've been trying to arrange this for a little while. I'm really excited about your book, suitably titled Laid Bare. And I also know our, our stories kind of connect a little bit. So, so tell us a bit about your book to start with. Yes, so I'm going to be the-, the uh, Go the, for it. It's my book. That's Laid what it's bear. called. I know it's back to front,
0: but it's called Laid Bear. Um, and it's been a, to get it to where it is now in that form, it's been about a 10 year journey. Goodness. Um, so it's, it's one of them things where you just don't, rec- you don't realize that you have a story. But then when you start talking to people and people ask you where, where you come from and how did you get, how do you overcome addiction? And so, and then you just think, actually, I I, I do have a, do have a story. And then, so my story is about addiction, uh, homelessness and life in recovery.
1: Okay. Um, Is it essentially sort of autobiographical? So it's your experience and what you've learned.
0: Yeah. It is my story from, from, from exactly what it is. It's, from my from my childhood all the way to life and recovery, so um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which was um, difficult at times to allow people to read it um, because as as they, as as it came out and then so the, as it came out the inspiration was um, prior to that as I was as I was writing my book reading other people's books in the field. Sure. So I read Russell Brand's and I read. Yeah sweet cat named Bob so I kind of read all so I've read all the people about journeys and when you read that you think wow and then that just the light bulb comes on and think to yourself well I've actually got a story like that but I think I can tell mine a
1: little bit better. Okay so we're gonna we're gonna jump into that story a little bit um, yes. and uh, as I said before we went on air and much, much of my audience knows I'm sober myself so it's been about 12-13 years um, there's a bit of a journey there yeah but I'm curious, so you talk a bit about your childhood. Yeah. Uh, there's this great uh, speaker, a uh, professor, he's on YouTube all over the place, Dr. Gabor Mate. He right. talks about how, he says, all addiction is rooted in some kind of trauma. Okay. And he has some evidence around that. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious for you, like looking back, do you think there were signs already of addictive behaviors or thought patterns right from when you were a child? Like what was your childhood-like in that sense?
0: So unfortunately, as the academic studies are out there, um, it, it, it never. the only thing I can think of was that at such a young age, from my first memory, was I had this massive, massive fear of just these anxieties. So um, I'd be afraid of the dark, I'd be afraid of spiders, I'd be, be, I'd be afraid of being beaten up, I'd be afraid of getting into trouble. So, and it's massive, and it was massive fear. You know, so these this was like, not, I would say, not too much of a a panic attack, but it was, you catch, you know, you feel them butterflies and you catch your breath and it feels like your stomach's coming out with you. Yeah. It's kind of that heightened level of anxiety. And I I remember having them from such a young age. Um, And my experiences with, I suppose, with alcohol and drugs, I I was always the, I was stereotypical, oh, I'm not going to smoke, oh, I'm not going to drink. It's that type of child. because. Once I found sport, once I found playing football, playing cricket, playing team games, Mm -hmm. it just gave me a little bit of confidence to say that, think to believe that there's somebody in the team that thinks I can do well. So parents tell you what I need to to know. They give you the emotional support. I had freckles quite a lot when I was a child. So, and what they say about freckles, supposed to be a sign of beauty. But to me, they were a hindrance. They, they okay. didn't mean anything to me. It just made me feel a lot worse. And
1: so you felt, like, uncomfortable in your own skin?
0: Absolutely. But from a young age, and it was just, like, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know how to settle. Mm-hmm. But, but for, luckily for me, my mum my, my mom has a massive, massive family, so she's, she was one of 12. Wow. So it was a big um, gypsy, like, Roman gypsy community. Yeah. Um, so I had plenty of cousins, older than me, younger than me, so... I've, I've got loads and loads of cousins, but luckily for me, we, we all played together. So we'd all have this um, great childhood where we can just escape.
1: Nice, nice then, sense of community as well.
0: Yes, and it was a very small village in Pembrokeshire in Wales, you see, so. Okay. It's, a, it's idyllic because people come from around the UK to, ho- to, to holiday. Yeah. And to have a beach six miles away, we could bike ride. So we, I'd have these things in place where I can escape, but then once I was back on my own, it, it, those, those beliefs come into my, into my, my being Then thinking, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough. I, I'm not good looking. I'm very scared around people. I'm very scared of going, doing certain things. And so I suppose on the academic level for the studies, I think that could be a factor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I never I, I was, once I realised I was quite good at, at a certain sport, I, my mindset flipped and I, and I focused on my training. So I wanted to be a professional footballer and I knew what I had to do. And if it meant losing out on certain things, then, then I'm going to it. You found
1: your but, thing to focus yeah, on.
0: Yes. And the and thing as well is, somebody, there was one person that noticed I had some talent and then he would give his, his time when he could. But then I did it myself. So I, I asked my dad to buy me a football. And once I got that football, it never left my side. You know, I bought asked him to buy me a tennis ball so I could, so I wanted to be a goalkeeper.
1: Okay. And in my book,
0: I explained, I explained the reasons why, because we had this this gentleman was in goal. Well, this man, our goalkeeper, was in goal, and he miraculously saved this penalty. And it just blew my mind away. And I wanted to know how he'd done that. Um, and his, and, I, and I knocked his daughter I badgered him and just kept pushing him, pushing him. And he was very kind because he never, he'd never say no and he would just explain that because he's got to go to work and stuff like that. So he, some, and,
1: some people might say that that's the most pressured job, though, because you're really yes. being watched on your own in a way.
0: Yeah, so you have something. With being a goalkeeper, you're always going to have, you're never going to get applauded for the safety you make or what, the good things you do but you will be lambasted for the mistake.
1: Yeah. And, and for an up. anxious kid, that's yeah. quite a direction
0: yeah. to go in. Absolutely. But, but the thing is, because what, what, what helped me was because I was able to go and train. Mm-hmm. So I think what, what gave me a little bit of confidence, I was away from all, all the people that, that could beat me up in my head, in my thought process. I was away from people who they couldn't reject me. So I took my, my football and I trained by myself. So I would do lots and lots of ball work, hand work, and dive in. And, okay. And it those. kind of
1: gave you purpose.
0: Yes, absolutely. To believe, then that gave me the confidence in myself then. Just that small confidence to say, when it comes around to being picked in the team, I know I've made myself the best I can be to get selected, selection. And it worked. And then I have a team of 10 other of players, 10, 14 players as a team, we, they're then going to look after me because we're part of a team. So they're going to believe in believe in me, which is, that's what I just that's, that's what I needed.
1: And they're going to back you up in the game, so you're essentially still working together, and you have a very specific role to play to add value, I guess, to the team. Yes, absolutely. And then so but once that's
0: so then going once the game is over and once training's over, it's then back to reality. So then I still have to I still have to be um, to have to manage my my anxiety so and my parents did the best they can and I think at that time I don't think it wasn't spoken of that you had as child anxieties so I, I'd never come my mum and dad are not from an academic world and they're not they're part of the working class and my dad's a painting decorator um but I've written in my book that my dad knows everything he, he, he put bear grills in his place because he knows how to live off the land yeah and he taught me those skills as well um, so my mum, once she she worked, she had a, she used to work, She started working in a bakery, and then she just got a job in the local NHS with us. But then, as soon as she fell pregnant with myself, my two brothers came along. And then, back in those days, my mum was my mum became the housewife. So it was those. That's what that's what how it was. So I only went to going to school, and then thinking that work became easy to me. I realised that my education was quite good, so my brain was quite good, so I could, I could learn more stuff. Um, so, part of the from going to school then, it's, it's another level of anxiety, because I was going to a bigger school. So, so then the, my mum and dad never took me to the doctor, and there was, there was never going to the doctor to say, oh, you know, my son is suffering. As, as we the provision But got. did you even
1: talk about it in the house, even if they didn't have that no. understanding? Was it kind of that masculine masculine culture as well, of, of just man up and yeah. um, show no weakness, all that sort of stuff?
0: Well, uh, to be honest, and it's not a fault. For, I, I wouldn't blame my parents. It's, of it's, course. It's, you know, but it, it just wasn't there. The, mum gave the me All the TLC that I needed. Sure. You know, always be hanging off her hip when I was young, just to make sure that she was there, because if my mum wasn't there, I don't know, I would... I don't know what I'd do, because I was very close. Uh, my dad was, my dad was like, like you said, he's a man's man, you know, um, sure, sure, so sure. it's the masculinity, the masculinity around it. You know, I didn't believe in myself, so why would I believe that I could be something like my dad, where my dad has somebody like so much in place, so he, he's very confident in what he does. So and yeah. I look at him thinking, I don't know why I'm not like you. And I couldn't understand why.
1: Yeah, it's that internal dialogue. So then when did addiction start showing up or maybe some of the, the, the real challenges for you that led to addiction? So the, fir-
0: the first time was when I moved away. So unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, to, to give you a backdrop of, of, of it. Yeah. Um, I, f- I, found, I fell in love. I had my first love uh, at 17. That'll mess you up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was quite so that was quite intense because i like I'd gone I believe so long that I was I was never good never good good looking or good enough to be for someone to fancy me or to actually look at me. It was just one of those crazy things that I, I used to believe. And then I, I met my first love and she gave me the by five or six months that I that I still today think like it's it's made me who I am because she, she was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have a good time together. But then she she broke up with me. And it completely, completely ripped my heart out. Um, and to get away to deal with that, my dad said, just go and stay with your uncle for a bit. Go and, you know, he plays football. You might find you've got a bit in common with him. And she got away for two weeks. And at that time, I just thought it was the right thing to do because I was struggling and... It's hard to process loss for the first time. And it's emotional loss, and it's heartbreaking. It's all these emotions that you, could, that you try and deal with. So I did that, and then 30 or well, so I was 18, so 25, 26 years later, I've, 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 I've not too much. so I moved to Leicestershire and that was it. Um, I came back to collect, my, to collect my stuff, and I made the big decision to move when I was 18. And then over time,
1: was that so? Was that sort of prompted by your broken heart that you were yes, just like, we "Okay, I need to run away. I need." Oh, you didn't run away. Didn't run away. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And it took a long time to recognise that. So uh, I know I, I digress. But going back, uh, having the help I received along the way into my recovery, you have to really go and uh, go deep and understand. Like, so what? What was the move about? And for years upon years, I denied that it was that I was running away. And of course, then you have to find that acceptance. I found, finally found that acceptance that it was. There's no other ways to it. So I did run away, and um, in hindsight, I think I've away for the right reasons. Mm. Uh, because now I've met I've, I've met so many wonderful people as I, as I've gone along, um, and so the issues became um, 18. I'm kind of like got this new zest and new new verve in making me, me now to like to go and write. I'm, I'm supposed to be a young man. Um, and then I got my first job not not long after moving um in Leicestershire. Um, and that was that was a massive jump because I went from a YTS job, but I don't know, you probably know the 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 um it's like an apprentice.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, so you have it's like very little money. So that's the job I had in Wales and then in Pembrokeshire, and then when I moved to Leicestershire I would then my, my salary jump was massive yeah and then the first so drinking was so football I, I, I managed to settle in with my uncle's club and managed to meet a few people who would like to go for a drink after the game and having a few drinks the nerves are, the nerves are still there but then once you I, I remember sitting in the clubhouse and it's a very low rural like local community and You have your first couple of drinks then you have three or four and then for some reason you don't feel afraid you don't feel fair you don't feel you feel fantastic so not high not low just whatever this middle feels it just feels incredible
1: and it's what you imagine other people feel all the time like in your in your state of insecurity of like i am not enough you imagine that that's what normal feels like Absolutely right. So you just have, like, okay. oh Now yeah. I can just have banter and chat and just like not overthink it and just be normal. That's like the yes. feeling, isn't it? Yeah.
0: That, that's perfectly put.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's why you feel. Then you think, Have people been feeling like this for, for forever? And I've just realised this is how I can feel now.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so am I
1: actually weirder than I thought? <laughs> yeah. I never feel like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. <laughs> and then because and then that so that that feeling then is like. It's wrapped around. It's like a, just, it's just like a warm hug, and then you just think, "Wow, if I, if only I could feel like this forever." And so the, the dance I had to this, the, the the dance with alcohol started there, and it took me on a, it took me on a, on, on a waltz, and all the dance names I can make as a pun, but fundamentally that's what happened. And then I, over the years, it just, it, it just increases slowly. It's very seductive, and and. It can, it can be your best friend, but it also can be your worst friend.
1: And, and that's what's tricky is like all the fun stories, you know. Yes. Like yeah. and so and so, your mind just goes, oh, but there was that time when you know, yeah. and you sort of um, do the rose-tinted glasses thing, of you a view yeah. of it, right? Of like, oh, and yeah, it went a bit crazy then, but uh, what a great story! And you kind of the banter just fuels it, doesn't it?
0: It's a folklore story, isn't it? So when you got yeah. with friends. So when I used to go out with friends, you you'd have folklore stories. Oh, you, you remember when we went out a week, like three weeks ago, and we yeah, did yeah. this and this, and it's like, and then you realise, no, we're actually being a bit,
1: bit like
0: foolish. same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's the, those. So that's the dance you have, and over time, so then moving out to, so I'm, I'm having my own place. The minute I got my own place, it was it was party time. So and I've, and I've written in my book where. I moved at the right time because the 90s, so moving in 1994, so I'm an old father now, so I'm 44 this year. Um, so Oasis, so the, the music, I'm, I'm massive into my music. I, my, one of my, my movies, music, uh, sports, my passions, they are my three three passions. And when I moved to Leicestershire, everything, it was the right time. Everything was about timing.
1: Yeah, it all aligned for you.
0: Oasis came out and Oasis came out, and it like they took it like a TNT and just exploded it across the UK. And for the first time, there was a guy called Liam Gallagher who was like me from a council estate telling the world what he was going to do, and he was going to do it in his own way. And I just thought, Oh my God, if only I could bottle that, if I could just, can I just drink some of that confidence and just let me have it. And he just changed my, he changed, he, ha- he helped me kind of not be myself. So I, I just want it and I want it. And then he, I just wanted to be him. And, but I didn't, I didn't want the, the yeah, I suppose he's like, he's not, I think he plays for the camera. He plays in public. sounds
1: was, like he wanted the persona confident but, yeah, badass creative yeah, cool. absolutely um, i'm going
0: to take drugs i'm going i'm gonna you know i'm gonna drink i'm gonna take drugs and i am going to be a rock and roll star And you know rock and roll star tonight and i think with with that with that it was just timing and then people around me as well so i started forming friendships and and, and football and, and sport was was there so everything was there but then the same thing happened when i was on my own so i I didn't really want to meet anybody because I was still, I was still heartbroken and still yearning mm. to feel that way again. So I, I just found myself just living this 90s whirlwind with like Liam as, as, as my
1: Your
0: god, as a captain, you know, as my yes. god. Yes, and then, yeah, yeah. but then music coming, so music was always been part of that. So, um, so then we'd go to like me, so I so go to music gigs and then we'd go to like music events, and so we started going. Started meeting other people in the village I was living, in. and then it can then it so started drinking. God, I mean, was go, it
1: was alcohol your worst drug of choice, or yeah. was it? You yeah.
0: yes, yeah. So yeah. It, 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 you start drinking moderately. You then you start drinking sporadically, and then you start drinking excessively. And
1: and then if you ever hit a bump in the road. Yeah, As like a regular bump in the road that people yeah. hit, yeah. and you now have those habits around them. You just change the way I feel. Yeah. It becomes the the habit then, right? And and that those are the moments where it can spiral even worse.
0: Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. And and so you, you say to yourself, okay, so if I'm I, I'm drinking on a Saturday because it's a because I'm playing sport, or I won't drink Sunday because my friends are out there and they're having a Sunday drink. Or no, I'll just go down and have a, a couple. And then, it, 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 it doesn't matter about the day then. No. It, it, the seven days a week doesn't really care. So, then you, then you start, the first time I drank at home, was like, well, I don't need to go out. Um, I always, out. Yeah, because I was happy, because I was happy, I was unhappy in my skin because um, I, was, I didn't like myself. But I was happy to be indoors
1: with my best friend and I, my the alcohol was... My oh yeah, thing. you can just feel accepting of yourself. So, where did excessive drinking and perhaps other stuff take you? What were some of your rock bottom points?
0: Oh wow, um, there's there's been yeah, quite a few. Um, so, somebody introduced me to cocaine or a drug that said that if you, if you take this, you can drink more. So it's like really, and it's and like so light bulb went up straight away. So, and then, which I now know, which is now cocaine. And sure. purity at that time was, was quite, quite higher. Um, so once that, so that once you, so you have it probably to eight to 10 drinks. So your body's getting used to it. So your body's getting tolerant. And then once you start to take, the cocaine came along, it was just, wow. I am, I just, now it's another feeling. Now it's another feeling. It, it just, you you are now on top of the world. Yeah. You drink more, drink more. And then what happened, the worst my worst was. Um, I'd gone to a nightclub, um, and I don't remember much of it. All I remember is um, I, I must have I, I was drinking all day, and and when I say all day, not not heavy, just drinking sure, sure. You know, consistently so, throughout. Yeah. And taking and taking illicit, you know illicit drugs as well to, to help me yeah. through. And I remember being on, on a nightclub, uh, and I just remember being on the top of the stairs. So this is the top of the stairs. And I just, I blacked out. And I just went bang, 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 bang. Um, and then woke up in the ambulance. And uh, I, t- I, t- have, uh, um, I got a black eye. So it was all, my eye was swollen. I was lucky, to, I was lucky to survive. Because the only, the, the ambulance man said, the only reason why I survived is because my body was relaxed.
1: Yeah, you didn't, yeah, tense up, yeah. And,
0: and, so, and I was in the ambulance and um, they did all the tests. And he said to me, Matt matter about how you smell like? um, I think there's, yeah, I think you probably need to go and see something about that. Um, But from what we can see, you're okay. He said, I think you may have blacked out. And I said, no, I didn't. And I I still had this little argument. No, I didn't. I said, I'm just tired.
1: You were just defending yourself. You didn't want to believe it yourself? Of
0: course not. No, no, no he was going to to tell me so. um, I got out of the ambulance. Went home, got some ice, and I, on the way down, but, uh, yeah, I, and the, the next morning, I brought some more alcohol. So, you brought some more alcohol, yeah. yeah maybe and maybe, people, but...
1: people don't understand how the crazy that actually goes on to make us do that sort of thing. Yes. Where, you, where you've just had such carnage that your life was at risk, or for me, I put other people's lives at risk, or, you know, whatever it is. And you're just like, how are you living like this? But but still, the thought of not having the the buzz of normality, which isn't normal anymore, um, is just too it. big a thing to admit. Because you just, I don't know, all the fear is that you'll go back to your little, you know, um, anxiety induced teenage self that just doesn't fit in anywhere,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. And I didn't. And that's the thing as well. And it's it be, it becomes self isolation because you're isolating yourself. Yeah. Like, I, even though I had teammates you know, they they didn't see me during the week and i didn't see them during no, the week. No, so it alcohol it was such it was it was my it was my lover it was everything it was my wife it was anything i wanted it to be because it made me feel incredible it, it never it, it I never had an it never had an affair with it i never it it was mine alcohol was me and me was and i was alcohol because it was my, it just everything that needed to be was what i wanted it to be and if anyone was going to turn around and say to me, my mum would tell me, my mum would tell me, my dad would tell me, um, you know, you're drinking too much, you're drinking too much. And I would just turn around and say, I don't care because yeah. this, this is who I am. This is, what it, this is my best friend.
1: So um, what, what got you to wake up? At what point did you then go, something's got to give? What uh, forced you to start recovery? Yes, I kind
0: of just went... Um, when you become, when you, when you finally become homeless, when, when you're homeless. Okay, so you got to that point. Absolutely. So there was my, I tried a few times to, I, in, I'd had a really, a relationship, previous relationship where we had a son. And I'd said to my, my son's mum that we, I, I would try and look, you yeah, know, go and speak to a doctor or speak to somebody, but it, it, was, it was only just to keep her off my back. Um, and then about 2006, um, I write in my book that it, I had two relapses or re, two lapses, mm-hmm. um, and this, it was the second one when I'd been to the been to a gig. Um, and I got completely wasted with drugs, and I haven't spoken about ecstasy as well because MDMA was was perfect as well um, because it <laughs> gives you. It, because I don't love myself, it makes you feel it's it's all about you, the love. Oh, gosh, just yeah. it's, it's euphoria, euphoric yeah. feelings of love. Yeah. Um, and then I went to this gig and I just remember it being at like five, just five or six o'clock in the morning. I was supposed to be at work. Um, I completely messed myself up and I went home. Uh, I just ran, I, I managed to get home back. from. I was, in, I was living in Derby. I managed in the UK and then I managed to come home. And then my dad said to my dad, I did, I've done what I've done, and he was like, "Right, what can we do?" I didn't want to go into. I did not want to go into rehab because it was just like, "No, it wasn't going to be for me." Uh, my dad said he'd get me. My dad said it, I could stay in the. He had a caravan,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then it was. I stayed there for a bit. Went back to work. They they allowed me. They I kept my job, and then I just drank again, and then my dad said, "That's it." I said, I can't help you anymore. You're going to have to go and do this yourself. And so, all the friends that try to help me, all the other people try to help me, um, just, it, yeah, I can't. I realized once I'd left my job, I moved back to, to my, my area in Loughborough and I literally had my suitcase and that was it. So, I kind of.
1: So, people are just done helping you as well. Yeah, burned, burned, all, just-
0: my, yeah, burned all my relationships, burned, burned everything because I know people money. I borrowed money left, right, and centre, and you know, and it's just, I, I felt that it's a very selfish feeling. It's like, why would nobody help me? Yes, I,
1: I still owe you money, but oh, the selfish feeling. Aren't we just fucking victims? Like, (laughs) the whole world is against us and everyone else is making us do this and you're pushing me to be this bitch? Absolutely, it's your fault. It's your fault
0: I'm in this position.
1: (laughs) Everyone else's fault. And and this is what I'm saying about personal responsibility is, like, that's probably one of the most profound and difficult things I've ever had to learn. It's, like, radical, total responsibility. Even if... That person has harmed you and that person's a dick and that person's whatever. Even yeah. if it doesn't matter, ultimately you are responsible for your sobriety, otherwise all bets are off for everyone.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know? Yeah. And
0: you know when you drunk, when you first realize that, it's only then you realize just how much of an idiot
1: you've been. I mean, but then you get you 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 start going into the spiral of shame, right? Well, when yeah. When you actually realize. So, yeah. And that spiral of shame sometimes coincides with you being like sober, sober. Yeah. So like you're sk- you just feel naked, like every bit of shame and like suddenly you're awake to all the Like people think the tough thing is putting the drink down. Yeah. Yes, that's tough, the habit and all the rest of it. But for me, the tough thing was just l- learning to live with myself. Yes. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. What, so that was what- it.
0: So I, I kind of, so I came back to Loughborough with all those, so when there was, there was nobody there, so I couldn't call on anybody. I couldn't go back to mum and dad's.
1: I had you no fun. I had, I'd had everything. everything's gone. My, my, I've got no money. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I, I, i want to go and get drunk. I
0: want to go and take drugs. I want to do. I want to carry on my way of life. But there's, there's nothing
1: there. No but it's out. not the fun way anymore. Like no, it used to be, not. like hanging out at the. Yeah. Pool, and Now it's like which old geezer is at the bar in the day, <laughs> so yeah. that I can just have a drinking buddy, right?
0: And that's why I didn't go into into the, to a town centre because I didn't want people to assert, to think that I was a hobo or this stereotypical homeless look. Because, like my the buddies at the at the pub and the, the old the the people at the pub were still drinking. You want to go and you know sit with them and drink. It's it's gone. It's gone way. That's gone far way beyond that. I yeah. had literally had my suitcase. I had a case and. I came back because it's the only place I know I'd be safe. So I didn't want to stay in, the, in, the, in the, the centre in Derby because I don't know it. So I came back to Loughborough knowing that I could I could feel safe because I know the areas you could and I could keep that away. Yeah. And the uh, hope of my dad and, and, mom, and my mum would help if they, they didn't.
1: They've had enough by then. Oh, the bur- and that's, thought, that's a journey in itself, isn't it? Just thinking Africa. it from a parent's perspective, watching your son slowly kill himself, you know, and oh, helping... True. So many times, yeah. Did you ever have those okay. moments where you just looked into their eyes and thought, "What am I doing?" Well, uh,
0: when you when you um, that's my bottom. It's like when they said no, like they had like, they they had to draw the know, line. It was that bad. That you have to go it yourself because what's the first thing I would have done if I got if my mum and dad had given me a room? Continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, with sure. no
0: disregard, it would have been just continued. I'm, I'm carrying on the way I'm going because now I've got a, I'm now I'm back at mum and dad's. So they they're, they're, they're my parents. They won't kick me out. So and you have that mindset, but they, they said no. You have to do this your way. We can't we can't help you. So
1: it's like, it sort dad. of shakes you. It jolts you a little bit. How long have you been sober? Uh, so it's thirteen years this year. So how has your life changed since being sober? Wow. How has my life changed?
0: It's been. An, my life has changed so much, so, so much. Um, I've been able to understand who I am. You know, the professional help I received was uh, invaluable. It's, it's, it's something that I had to realize that I have to accept it. I want that help and I have to go into places I don't want to go. And lots of tears, lots of tantrums, lots of um, spot uh, light bulb moments. And that was detrimental to. So the first step was to go and strip myself down and allow a professional to work with me, to build, to rebuild another version of myself. Um, and then that allowed me then to understand um, what I didn't, what I, who I was, why this was relevant, why alcohol and drugs was, was relevant to me. Um, and then it gave me the capacity then to start thinking about work again and start leaving my old life behind. Um, and it's, and I know it sounds a cliche, but it is one step, one small step at a time, because you can't. Like someone would put it to me, say, "Why, why would you look into Wednesday when it's Monday?"
1: Yeah, you, you can't
0: Monday. You have to finish Monday the best you can, and if you can finish Monday without drinking and taking drugs, what's to say you can't do Tuesday to start off with that mindset? So, and that's when I. So just to digress a little bit, Petra, when I was when I got to rock bottom. I went and found a arch, arch, it's a bridge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I lived, I stayed under the arches. And that moment from that, that first night, I have never cried those tears again, ever. I've cried, I've been upset, I've been emotional. But those, that moment when I knew I had nothing. Desperation. Yes. Everything just came out. Mm. And, I, and in my mindset, in my tears, and that mindset, like I just said just then, if I drink now, there's no point carrying on I'll just go and kill myself very selfish mentality isn't it and then but then I really just I, for some reason I just went well I can't drink tonight because I haven't got no money but what I can do is I can go and find out how I go about finding somewhere to live and when I, so I had about four hours sleep that night and that's how. And that, that moment has changed everything since that night because that, from that day forward that's it I haven't drank or taken a drug okay. So that, sec- that first day, so that, that, that day, go into places where, um, like the local council, charities, finding out these places. Once I had a, a purpose, that's what I said to myself. So this was, a, say, this Wednesday, what can I do today? Well, so the first thing I'm going to do is drink. Because one, I haven't got no money, and two, it'll just set me back 48 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. set me back two years, it out. set me back 48 hours so I don't drink today what can I do for the same thing tomorrow? For the Wednesday? Did, you,
1: did you go to AA or did you get external support <laughs>
0: groups? I went to AA once, and unfortunately at that time, um I didn't want to admit I was an addict. Sure. You have, Fair to, enough. Stand, you have to stand up and say,
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, really? Okay. I have am, am I an addict?
0: No, and I wasn't ready, excuse me, I wasn't ready to admit that. And I kind of looked at it holistically. So my my purpose, so external aid external aid agencies, I managed to get not not long after I put about three months on the street. Um it's okay.
1: about a stretch of time, yeah.
0: It was, yes. So like and then but then routines. So then like I had routines. So okay, so I was I able to claim a personal benefit. So it was an employment benefit, and I was then able to um, work my money out per day. Then what you find is you can go to um, soup kitchens and places where, like churches, would, would provide food from the charities you go. I came in contact with, and then I, so I had my clothes to wash. I had um, I bathed, I showered, I looked after myself, so I kept my personal hygiene. And that's what that's what the strange thing about it is. That's what became my addiction.
1: I was wondering what your thoughts are on replacing addictions with addictions you know what I mean like I'd say I'm a bit borderline work addicted and but luckily it's work that I love and I'm an entrepreneur so I get to be obsessive and people don't question that as much you know yeah Um, yeah. (laughs) um, but sometimes we trade one in for another one that might not be as um, detrimental it might not kill us you know what I mean yeah but it could be emotionally unhealthy did you find that you you Mm -hmm. traded some addictions in?
0: Yes, and it wasn't with other substances. So it was sure. with, like it was worth that, um, like pers- so personal stuff,
1: obsessive so, routine.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's so my my routine was was obsessive, it, and so I I'd go. So I, I would go to the laundrette, and I worked out going to the laundrette that it was cheaper for that for the, for the member of staff to wash and dry my clothes with the powder than it was for me to buy the powder and do it myself. Okay. Um, so I did that. So that was a routine. I would go to the local um, leisure centre, sh- I would pay for a swimming entrance so I could go and have a shower. Mm-hmm. That was a routine. I went to the local, to- I went to the town toilets, spoke to the cleaners and said, could I shave? Mm-hmm. That was a routine. So that that became my, that was my, the buzz I was looking for because I was, I was sleeping in my tent. You know, I was kind of just, no, I was in the middle of nowhere because I didn't want anyone to know where I was. And that became my routine. So I moved it like a, a mile away from the town centre, I pitched my tent up, so my so my routine became walking walk as well, so walking a mile and back. So it was kind of easy for me to do it, but then I realised just how much of it, just how much strength that I, I realised that I had to do it. But it just became my normal. So it just became, that, that was the routine, so the obsessiveness, of like right, I've got to get go a shower, got to do this, got to do this, got to go into town, got to get some food. and and eventually you
1: started talking to people professionals or or getting it out to you know trying to figure it out so as soon as i moved as soon as i became a resident with a homeless charity i was then able to talk
0: and have one-to-one sessions um and prior to to coming um on becoming homeless when i was in derby i was able to speak to somebody um, alcohol abuse team
1: yeah
0: uh, which Oh, I can't remember the t- so many times I had so many tantrums. Because Indeed. you don't realise, yeah, because they're t- they're asking you, they're they're, ref- they're giving you re- reflective questions. So you know, I don't feel you just get really like I'm, I'm not having a good day today. So t- so let's wind it back. Tell me how your morning's been, and then he just tell me. Then he goes
1: like, tell me, tell me this, tell me that. Tell me it's that like, you're just that not used on? to it. You've kept it all very internal, haven't you? Yes, um, Anton, we haven't got that much time left, and I and I love that you've now you've written a book. So we will we'll put a link to that into uh, the show notes. But what do you wish people? What do what do you wish you knew about addiction and about life? You know that you didn't know as you were stumbling around just trying to escape it. You know what do you wish you you knew? Well, today
0: it's uh, I wish that I knew that that um, more of an understanding of what alcohol really is. So so. Addiction, what
1: education, addiction really is. yeah,
0: it's all about education with it, it, the education around it, uh, to understand that you know, and it's all illicit drugs and prescribed drugs as well, so it's, it's you can get addicted to both. And yeah, the education today is a lot better than what it was today. So I think for me, the education around um, what is dangerous I and mean, it can be life threatening, and I think peer support as well, because I never had any peers, so peer support, having that. I think I've gone. I don't need to go to AA now because I've, I've, I've put myself in a position where I'm, I'm able to to move forward. But I would definitely recommend people seeking out an AA, and it may not be for them, but those those peer support groups, you know, anything and thing. It's and the community Trinity piece, community field, Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think friends as well. So it, it's yeah because I never had that many friends. I had more associates. So if you've got friends that you and friends are challenging individuals because of this, and then realise that friends are not having a go at you, they're trying to help as best they can because they can see what's going on. So again, friends give you education as well.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. It's getting it's getting a sounding board that isn't in your own head, right? And yes. actually being open to to listening. Yes. And the thing yeah. is, I haven't
0: had a chance to speak to you about my suicide attempts because I've been talking about my addiction. So that's again. So it's it's recognizing to having the education around awareness about someone's low low moods and mental health and um, well-being because there are there will be signs you can see those signs did some
1: of that did your suicide attempts happen when you were in the full flows of addiction or actually after like adjusting to the normal real life
0: one was before yeah uh, because my football career was over okay um and I should have. I should, my mum saved my life because she recognised what what I'd done. I don't remember it. I remember taking a lot of pills, and I woke up in hospital. And then the second time was in. It was in the, the down times when. Um, like, stopped drinking. Yeah. So I, so in between. So it, like when there was no my, as I would drink, consume lots of alcohol. What well, alcohol is a depressant. So it just when you're not drinking it, and it and it does alter your 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 mindset. And I was really low and second time um it was yeah i was completely completely yeah i, I can't explain it um low just i didn't want to didn't want to be on the planet
1: yeah
0: uh, i think the, you want the pain to stop right yes and i and i and I'd kind of recognized i but there was a, a gentleman um had to go to the um, benefits office and i'd have a oh i'm here with my i was all disheveled I'd had this ridiculous long coat on, and I'd had the pills in my pocket. And a guy in the benefits office, he spotted it straight away, and he called the manager in, and they
1: they sectioned me. So, so yeah,
0: and no,
1: then no, no, spent some time. You got set time inside as well, just to look after. Yeah, you, so, I so
0: I had, had to go. Yeah, so it's, I I stayed for about a week. So they, they sectioned me there and then because they called they called the police and the police. They asked me a question if I was going to, would I want to harm myself, and I went. Without a shadow of a doubt,
1: I, I, I'm not feeling very good. You're so, Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think people need to buy your book. I think that's do, what yes. So before well, I ask my final question, where can people find you and anything about you?
0: So anything about me. So myself, I'm on all social media handles. So LinkedIn, Facebook, social media, uh, Instagram, sorry, yeah. um, and Twitter. So Enton Barefoot, if you do a quick search, I'll, they'll find me. Um my website is called uh www.therealbarefoot.co.uk. I love it. Uh love it. so yeah, yeah. so that the, so I, I can always the people who want to reach out to me, if they go on my website, my number's on there, my email address is there. So
1: yeah, okay. Um perfect. We'll add a, that into the show notes as well. I'm sure they can find your book through that as well. Um and so finally, in this present day, yeah. what are the top, three things that you consistently do to look after your mental health? What are the talk, top three things? Talk,
0: communication. Yeah. Communication, paramount. Yeah. And if it's a bad day, a shit, you know, sorry, shit day, good day. No matter what day it is, talk. Yeah. Um, I train. So physical yeah. physical health, physical health um, whether you go running, whatever you want to do, training is, is, is good. And for me, it's accepting who you are. Mm. I, I, acceptance I am, I am somebody that can never and never will drink again Yeah. I've, and that's. I've accepted that and I, and I love that about myself because I've given permission to believe I've accepted
1: who I am you know it's true I love that uh, and we're going to end there Anton thank you so much for your time and telling us your story I'm going to look forward to looking out for your book as well um, thanks, thanks so me, much, so much for
0: letting me, yeah, thanks for letting me come on it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you Petra
1: you too thank you